0: Welcome to Behind the Standards with United Rentals. This is the podcast where we discuss construction safety, specifically trench excavation and confined space safety, but also other topics that deal with general job site safety as well. I am Rick Plosinski, Customer Training Specialist, and with me are Eric Partenheimer, another customer training specialist from California, and Bruce McGee, a region product development manager based in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Now the purpose of our podcast is to inform, educate, and maybe even entertain just a little bit. While we will be discussing things that might cause workplace injury and unfortunately death, we prefer to focus on things that help you eliminate the possibility of those unfortunate events. Today, we'll be discussing the differences between confined spaces and enclosed spaces and why there is so much confusion about the two. So Eric, let me start this with you. How does OSHA define a confined space?
1: So, confined space uh, has got three components to it, along with three different types of confined spaces. And kind of a subset would be our enclosed space. but. For a confined space, it is uh, large enough for somebody to physically enter into the space. Can I physically get into the space? And in the construction standard, it is defined as being breaking the imaginary plane. And it's also that way in uh, under 1910 with the general industry standard too. Anytime you break the imaginary plane, you are considered to enter the space. The construction standard takes it a step further and basically says, anytime any part of your body breaks that plane, whether the act was intentional or you were even gonna work in the space, you're considered to have entered the space. The second component is is limited or restricted means for entry and exit. Uh, we hear a lot of one way in, one way out could be a factor in there. If somebody's got to step over pipe or they've got a long way to travel to get to that exit. Um, But normally, if I was near a doorway, uh, you know, a few feet in, that really wouldn't be considered limited or restricted. And then the third component is, is it designed for me to be in there long periods? And by that, they're looking at lights and fans and things that would make it, you know, desirable for me to be in there for a long period of time uh, by having those things. if all three of those components are true, that is the definition of a confined space. What is the definition?
0: Is there a definition? of an enclosed space?
1: There is, and it basically parallels along with the definition of a confined space. Um, what we see is in you know, working space like a manhole, a vault, a tunnel, or a shaft. It's got limited means for entry and exit. Uh, it is designed for periodic employee entry under normal operating conditions, and that under normal conditions does not contain a hazardous atmosphere, but it might contain an atmosphere that's hazardous in abnormal conditions. Now that being said, when we look at um, 1910-269, which deals with enclosed spaces and working underground, they refer to manholes and vaults that contain operating, transmission, and distribution equipment. Um, That kind of gives you an idea as to what they would consider to be an enclosed space, but it also shows you that parallel that it is a fine line between the two. So really, at
0: the end of the day, there are the differences between the two are very minimal. Uh, there's not a whole lot of, of difference between what would be considered an enclosed space and a confined space. In fact, an enclosed space might, and in a lot of cases, is considered a confined space.
1: Correct. Yeah. And and they one can lead to the other. More typically, an enclosed space, if it's been decided, is to be that if something were to come up they're gonna revert us back to the subpart AA 1926 confined spaces and construction standard to figure out how we're gonna do the entry. But if if we've got for the most part, and, and I think that the biggest usage of this would be electrical people, people that are using it as far as electrical vaults and things like that, um, they're gonna fall under the, in confined, the uh, enclosed space aspect of it. And that's how they're gonna to consider to do their entries. So, if we're talking about enclosed spaces, is there a difference
0: between an enclosed space and a permit required? Or is there some kind of line there that when you cross over from one to the next, is there a line there that says, well, from now on, you have to treat this as a permit required confined space?
1: Yeah. If there's actual other potential hazards continue to exist even after they've complied with the requirements of being able to try to eliminate or isolate them, it is going to turn them into a permit-required confined space. And that definition or that designation is going to be made by somebody who's a qualified person. Uh, They'll be the ones that look at it, look at what the hazards are based on it, and does it still comply if I can mitigate it uh, to an enclosed space, or is it going to revert back to a uh, a
2: permit-required confined space? It is allowable under 1926 AA, the new... Uh, confined space standard for you to deploy a barrier, to to have a barrier in place to uh, as a means of blocking someone from potentially ha- causing harm to themselves from contact with electrical hazards that can be in that f- space. Typically, in an enclosed space, the only physical hazard is going to be the barrier. So is having a barrier in place sufficient to uh, still have it just be considered a confined space and an enclosed space?
1: Well, I think when you look at the terminology, you're looking at more of elimination or isolation. And if you can prove that point, then maybe you have. If you can't prove the point that that barrier has eliminated or isolated the space, then I would tell you to follow under uh, 1926, uh, Part AA, to be on the safe side.
0: So is there really a difference between the – a non-permit required confined space and an enclosed space? Because it sounds like if you have an enclosed space, then technically by definition, sounds like it would almost fall under the category of a non-permit required confined space.
1: And it, it, you're actually right. And and that's kind of where the discussion comes up, where you have the people on the side of the enclosed space. Uh, are, are That's how they've been trained, and that's how they brought it up. Um, And then you've got the people on the other side, like some of us that deal a lot more with confined spaces. With the non-permit entry, unless it's in your written program, there's not a need for an attendant. If you're going to call something an enclosed space, there is a need for an attendant. So I'm not quite 100% on as far as the the benefit from going from a non-permit required confined space, filling out a checklist and determining it to be that versus the enclosed space.
2: Yeah, I think that when when this came to our attention in a big way, we were doing a a particular confined space class for a major power company, and they had asked for a confined space class. And as the class got underway, uh, we started going through the new standard, and the the reaction from the attendees and the management that was there was kind uh, of loud and sudden. And they they said, oh, "You know, hang on a second, we don't want to know all this stuff about confined spaces." Because we don't ever work in a confined space we work in enclosed spaces we don't want to have extra people hanging around we don't want to have extra equipment out there we don't we don't have gas monitors out there we don't have this other stuff that you're talking about we just simply want to know uh, what we need to understand about working in enclosed spaces in fact there is a component for training for working in enclosed spaces but uh, at the root of it is they were looking to call these enclosed spaces so as to do away with some of the Requirements for testing, requirements for uh, rescue equipment, for retrieval equipment. And uh, they were looking for it to be a, a de minimis sort of uh, a claim. And they wanted to, uh, to not have all the requirements that would be associated with working in permit required confined spaces. But if they find a hazardous atmosphere, it does revert back to uh, the permit required confined space.
1: Yeah, and, and that's it, it, exactly. And, and I think that that is kind of the big misnomer with this or where maybe there's some misinformation that people think in closed space, there are really no requirements when it comes to testing in that. And that's not true. Uh, when a is removed for entry on an enclosed space, it has to be tested for oxygen, flammables, and toxins, just like we would normally. Uh, and, and they can't enter the enclosed space uh, while it has a hazardous atmosphere. So when you look at it, it parallels right <coughs> along, your point, Rick, and, and YouTubers is the non-permit entry. I think if if they sided more with that, if they went more with that, they're gonna they're gonna have their bases a little bit more
2: covered. Yeah, the uh, this particular class I'm thinking of was in a uh, remote part of the state, and when I was there, it was interesting because we started talking about the equipment that they use. They they have a they have a, a number of crews that work out of this particular office. And what what I found ironic and hard to understand was when they began the class or before the class started, I. I asked them what they uh, what type of gas monitors that they uh, they put on their trucks. They said, "Well, we got we got two that we keep in the storage closet here, but we don't have, you know, we don't have them for uh, distribution through all of our people for all of our people throughout our ranks to take on all the jobs that they go to." It's, uh,
1: <laughs> again, you know, not, not probably the best reason or excuse you would want to give a compliance officer if they're asking, you "Why don't why don't you have gas monitors out there?" Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure that's going to go over real well.
0: So, Bruce, what you said that uh, you were in a remote area that 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 basically where you were doing a class in a remote area where this came up. Is there a particular industry that has the 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 tendency to gravitate more towards this enclosed space?
2: yeah and down here we call it glomming onto something where you attach yourself to it, so yes, that's going to be the the power distribution industry. it's going to be the power generation industry running uh, uh power distributions and generating uh, uh power is that all falls within that uh that industry right there where this misconception lives
0: yeah and Eric, you had made mention something about uh gas monitoring actually still being required of a particular space. And, and Bruce, that was kind of your point was, well, what kind of monitors do you use? And that's kind of started that whole conversation there. So monitoring is still required of the spaces, whether it's enclosed yeah. or confined.
1: Correct. Part of the standard and 1926-953E, it, it just says, you know, evaluate potential hazards before the cover's removed, got to determine whether it's safe to do so. And it's just like in the confined space standard. Uh, if there's any kind of atmospheric pressure or temperature differences, obviously, if it's hot, you know, <laughs> you want to be lifting it. But then any conditions making it unsafe to remove the cover shall be eliminated before the cover is removed. Uh, and then, you know, we're looking to check conditions that may foreseeably be in the enclosed space. And again, atmospheric is one of them, looking at oxygen deficient, looking for flammables, things like that. So, yeah, it 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 parallels right along. Um, so that's where I, you know, at some point in time, somebody decided because it's not a confined space, they did, there was no need for monitoring, and that clearly is not true. And, and I think at some point in time, that's going to trip somebody up.
2: Yes, I, I agree with you. And the other thing I would add to that, not only did they not want to have the equipment out there on site, they wanted to tend to assign people a task on a solo basis. They want to send an individual out to go into an enclosed space without having multiple people to attend. And I think that would be an important part to talk about, that even though while they're claiming that, hey, I don't work in a confined space, I work in an enclosed space, there's still a requirement under the enclosed space standard that you have attendance and that uh, the attendants received the training. So, so while they didn't want to call it a confined space, they they to do away with the people and the extra gear, they, they still were required to have that attendant and the training.
1: Yeah, and there, there is one little portion in this that does talk about uh, a lone worker. If they are going in to just inspect or perform housekeeping or take readings and that, uh, and, and as long as they're protected from any electrical hazard, they actually can go in alone. It has a small little discussion about that on there It's people I think taking a standard and and twisting it to meet their needs or lack of equipment or however you want to put it and that's where things get a little pretzeled, right we <laughs> We start instead of going to our fine lines and going down through our processes. next thing you know we've got a whole pretzel going on because it doesn't suit our needs to follow it completely, but
2: yet we think we have basis for not following it, and that's not true yeah so uh so does this play into the whole concept between a vented vault and a non-vented vault? Is that what you're talking about there, where a person could enter uh, without testing perhaps a, non, a, a vented vault as opposed to one that's non-vented?
1: Now, this, this just talks about a worker working alone that's doing a quick inspection, perform housekeeping and take readings, as long as they're protected from any electrical hazard. But you still have to go back to the entry procedures, which is going to tell you you still have to use your gas monitor uh, before you pull the cover, make sure that everything is okay, and then go ahead and put your uh, put your monitor in there. So, so you're restricted to those simpler activities. Correct. I mean, if you look at it, it follows along with a non-permit entry, right? Non-permit entry, I could go in there by myself all day long. It it still follows in along with that. So as long as I sniffed it, there are no hazards, whether atmospheric or or, or physical. And in this case, the only hazard could be, you know, would be the electrical, the live line. But if they are protected from it, they can go in there. So it, it again, it does parallel alone.
0: Are attendants able to enter into enclosed spaces? Because attendants are not allowed to enter into confined spaces. What about enclosed spaces?
1: Uh, actually, yes. Yeah. Um, they're supposed to remain above there. Um, they may period periodically, if there's no potential hazards exist they're allowed to enter into the hole to assist for brief periods. So that is one of the differences from the other two standards. But again, if it's a non-permanent entry, you're not bound to having an attendant, and you can have as many people as you want into that space. Is there any specific requirements about CPR and first aid training for attendance of enclosed
0: spaces? We definitely have that in the confined space standard, but what about in the enclosed space standards?
2: Yeah, the uh, the attendants have to be uh, trained in first aid. They they do uh, they are required uh, within the standard to be trained in that area.
0: And what kind of training, Eric, you've been in this industry a little bit. What kind of training would they have to have in order to be considered certified in first aid and CPR?
1: The duties of the attendant So, you know, they're not precluded from performing other duties, which, again, is another, you know, when we're talking permit required, their sole focus is the person in there. With this standard, they're allowed to do other things. So when you look through on the attendance duties, it's basically to assist the person that's in there and in the event of an emergency, being able to respond and help them out. So that's going to be, you know, procedures, means and procedures of how that's going to take place. And that is something that the employer is going to be required to train that attendant on along making sure they've got first aid CPR training with that. Okay. Well,
0: this has been behind the standards with United Rentals. If you have any questions about this topic or have any suggestions about other topics that you might want to be discussed, feel free to send us an email to urtspodcast at ur.com. On behalf of Bruce, Eric, and myself, Thanks for listening. Have a great day and stay safe.